man. So I listened to your podcast with Jason. Yeah. I figured we could talk about it before everybody else comes on. Okay. I loved how like a full 50% of it was disconnecting and reconnecting and starting new calls. It was, it was so ridiculous. It was so frustrating. (laughs) I did so much editing of blank space because you can imagine it took like two or three minutes to connect Uh each time. Yeah. I was just thinking about all that editing the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. It it. was fun though. (laughs) Hey, Jason. Jason. How are you guys? Is that baby Caden? Sure he is. Let's get comfy. Yeah. yeah. Do you know the killers at all? What's that? Are you asking me or are yeah. we still talking to Jason? We're, I, we're, we're talking my last podcast with JG. I um listened to them a little bit but not a lot i was never like a fan of the killers and listening to you guys listen to the killers made me realize that i think i could have been a fan if i was listening to them in like 2006 Uh but if i went back and listened to them now like listening to those songs on the podcast my thoughts weren't this is a band i need to start listening to it's like man i wish i had listened to them before so that i could feel nostalgia about it now yeah (laughs) So that's that's my take on the killers. That's such a cute baby. Mm-hmm. Little toe head. That's so fun. So pale compared, <laughs> like especially in this white <laughs> shirt or this yellow shirt, whatever it is. It's he looks like he's a white baby. <laughs> How's the uh, the harvest, Jason? Uh, slowing down. Oh, man. Um, the blackberries are pretty much done, which I'm a little sad about. Mm-hmm. Uh, raspberries are still going strong, though. So uh, we'll pick them all the way up to the first frost. Okay. Um, but they'll slow down when it gets closer and closer. But they're still going strong. Um, beans, I haven't checked in a few days. I've been, I, I kind of have been a little bit behind on on all that stuff lately so houston is like the worst place ever but we just planted our fall garden on saturday i'm jealous so, that you but, get a fall garden yeah it's well I, I don't know how it'll be we'll see this is kind of my first time really doing it but the problem is you don't you can't grow anything in the middle of summer when everybody else in the world is getting tomatoes like our tomato season is over tomatoes only last for like a couple weeks before they just stop I wonder if you were aggressive with shade cloths, if uh, it's tolerable. That's what I've wanted to do with like spinach to prevent mm-hmm. it from bolting, but I've never. Well, is it too cold in the winter to do more tropical like food or plants? Kind of. You just have to be like semi-tropical plants will do really well. Like citrus does really well. Um, you can grow like bananas and stuff that you think you wouldn't be able to, but like some of the other tropical stuff that a lot of people try, it freezes Uh and then dies in the winter and people are disappointed. So like avocados, papaya, um, there are lots of others. I'm just not thinking, but they do freeze in the winter. Yeah. We'll get, it's, it's like just 
the right temperature where you'll put in something like that, like an avocado tree, and it'll do great for two or three years, and then it'll die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just enough to give you hope. But, <laughs> That's Houston. Yeah. But there's lots of other, like, semi-tropical stuff that does well. You can grow, like, passion fruit. And I don't remember. Lots of stuff. I can't grow anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just got to invest in shade cloth. Yeah. I don't want to grow anything now. I'm saving water. Desert landscaping. Paul, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you guys doing? How's a uh, fall semester? Oh, it's awesome, man. It's up and running. I'm teaching a, an undergraduate course in children's lit. I'm teaching a graduate course in teacher education, kind of like concentrating on uh, teachers as adult learners, you know, like how are they learning? What, how do they bring mentoring experiences and stuff? And I just this weekend uh, drove back to Winslow, Arizona. Hey, little person uh, for my 20 year high school reunion in winslow arizona oh you went to that i went to that yeah i (laughs) i um i was like should i should i not and everything in me was like no like i didn't want to and then i was like working with a therapist and she and she just she didn't even throw out the idea and i was like you know what i think i actually do and i have some um uncles and aunts who are not doing super well physically health wise. And I was like, Oh man, I just want to go. I want to go see the people. And the reunion was almost just kind of like the excuse because mm-hmm. uh, my parents don't live where I grew up. And so I, I, this is probably like the second or third time I've been back in a decade or something like that. So our first son was born and in the hospital um, during the 10 year reunion okay and and it was it was just crazy man like you had uh, fast forwarding everybody 20 years like the saggier wrinklier whatever versions of ourselves but it it also seemed like enough life had happened that i mean even just the fact that like people had some had passed away and stuff was like oh like Mm -hmm. the fact that you're alive is actually pretty remarkable and hey we're just excited that even on that level like you exist you know so um it it was actually i guess i tried to go in with very few expectations but i was pleasantly surprised and it was it was super cool so (laughs) that's what i was doing this weekend i was hanging out with the class of o2 in winslow arizona my high school had a facebook page Uh and they took a bunch of pictures of the night and I think I got enough just looking at those pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good catching up with everybody. See ya. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was- Paul, was your high school pretty small in Winslow? Like, oh, incredibly. A- I, I think I think there were probably, oh, so it's on the edge of the Navajo and Hopi tribal lands. <laughs> and so most of the students come from the reservations close by. But there's also like a 55% dropout rate. Oh, wow. High school, like 100% free and reduced lunch. And so we probably had all of 40 people or something at the party, which Mm -hmm. is maybe by the time, I think our our freshman class was like 300. 
I think our senior class was like 150 or something like that. But you had like 40 oh. people at the party. Yeah. So they, they, wow, did that's it. a big turnout. They did it with like a concurrent. There's a, there's a standing on the corner party, like per the Jackson Brown and Eagles song, you know? Yeah. And people come from all over, all over the small geographic region. Uh-huh. And and they just hold the the reunions like on that same weekend. Oh, okay. And so I think it kind of brings people out of the woodwork, but that's fun. Yeah. So I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I surprised myself that I went and it was super cool to go. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a teeny tiny, it, maybe there were fewer than 40 people. I actually don't know. It was. Yeah. Nice. Jason, did you go to Fresno? No. <laughs> yeah. My high school, they've been posting on the Facebook group, like old slideshows and stuff and I'll watch them and get a little nostalgic. But then I realize I don't know any of these people. Like I don't yeah. remember any of them. You're it's just nostalgic for me. like, the music, the clothes, the hairstyles. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm like watching, you know, with bated breath, waiting for somebody that I recognize and it just never happens. I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> I was like incredibly unpopular in high school. <laughs> I knew was, like three people. <laughs> that was actually one of the realizations like that I had where I was just, I was hugging people, but I was hugging them based on more like being in their fifth grade class or, the, or uh-huh. the, you know, or, you know, something like that. I was like, hey, and it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I was one of your friends in high school, mm-hmm. but it's like I was 11 with you and I was yep. eight with you. And the town was so small that it's it's all the same people for the whole time. Yeah, that was the fun part about the Facebook group is they like group people by elementary schools because mm-hmm. Brigham City only had one high school, but it had like multiple elementary schools. Yeah. And so the elementary school that I went to like there was like five or six people at the reunion and they had a group picture. I'm like, I know all of you and it's great Mm -hmm. to see you old. And then it was good to see that picture. And then that's it. (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't there. (laughs) There was, there was one guy I played on his um, little league teams. We were like on like traveling baseball teams together and he came up to me and gave me this big old hug, but I couldn't make sense of like who I was seeing. So I was, <laughs> so I was faking it and asking about, you know, what's going on in your life. And somebody came and like whispered in my ear who he was and he had lost easily 200 pounds. Okay. Um, and just, comp- and, and then I, the whole night I kept like trying to morph him into this person and I never found him. Like <laughs> I stayed there for hours and hours and hours, had wonderful conversations and I like, couldn't find the person that I thought I knew in this new bone structure, new everything else. I just, wow, wow, wow. So, yeah. I, w- I mean, I wonder, I wonder if we could get a, I guess this really is like the, the freshman class of BYU 03 reunion every month, right? But like, um, I wonder if we put out a feel, if anybody would want to meet in a cyberspace or if probably not should i host it yeah you're the coolest i'll host it let's get like uh i don't know we could probably get 20 people on there everybody go to vegas well i got scheduled to talk with rachel witwer and Lindsay's my co-host so that'll be fun that's scheduled for Oh shoot, that's scheduled for Sunday. <laughs> it's October <laughs> October 2nd. Crap. <laughs> you know when you schedule things 
and you're like, oh, that's clear out in October. And then you look at it and like, oh, that's this Sunday. <laughs> General conference can listen to itself. Just do it. <laughs> no, it's at uh, night. Oh, okay. No, that'll be fun. But we could get like everyone that participated in like Escape from Q Hall podcast plus mm. some. I don't know. That doesn't sound very fun. Too many people. And I don't want to talk in front of that many people. Yeah, I think. So well, maybe I won't volunteer to, to host it. Jason. Well, and, it. and maybe this thing like provides like a little more intimate space where, you know, there aren't so many people and you can actually kind of everybody gets a little time to say something. I think that's what was cool that it was so small and people weren't plastered like they were in a different part of their lives where, where they and they're just like. They kind of knew how to contain their alcohol. They knew like, yeah, there you it, go. You know what I mean? Like where it's just cool uh-huh. to talk to people. Um, yeah, it was kind of a trip too. Jessica, welcome. Carrie, welcome. Thanks. You guys finished the movies? I did. I'm sorry. I was late. I was crying in the bathroom. <laughs> oh man. About the movies or just about something? Yes, else? about the movies. Okay, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> like, oh, that went dark all of a sudden. But I will caveat that by saying that I'm also pregnant, so that probably has an effect. Oh, what? Woo! That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Sorry to how, just drop that. On how pregnant are Harry. you? It looks like you're having a heart attack. What? How pregnant <laughs> are you? Uh, f- 14 weeks. Oh, so you can tell people and yeah, that's awesome. Three and a half months, yeah. March, March. That's very fun. Yeah, thank you. You can, you can be like Jason and bring your baby and yes. just put him in front of the camera. I know. I am sure that I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no obligation to be on this call. <laughs> you just take care of your family. <laughs> I take it as a personal <laughs> obligation. Okay. A commitment to myself. That's right. Oh, before we start, Sean, who's this week or who's next month? So, so as always, William is first in line. Yep. And then you're next. Oh, nice. Woo. That's an exciting time to be and alive. And then Jessica's after that. I was going to say, it feels like it's been a long time. I have Jessica, to. you get December. So okay, I'll do that Thanksgiving movie with Robert Downey Jr., are we not mm-hmm. doing October? Oh, crap. I got to choose a Halloween movie. All right. Oh, well, well, to that a more. Movie. I was going to say, the, Carrie the, should be in charge of this month. The, She's the 80s movie Disney movie called like Boogeyman or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. Not good. All right. I'll think about it. This is fun. I, I think the scariest movie would be if we had to watch Piccadilly Gym again. Oh. <sighs> Should we make everyone watch that? No. There's another Sam Rockwell in the theaters right now that I want to see since it's a murder mystery. With Cersei Ronan. Ronan. Cersei. Cersei. I don't know. Doesn't the Knives Out movie come out soon? Yeah. Is that going to be on Netflix or is it in theaters? It's on Netflix. Oh, I thought it was like the day after Christmas or something. Oh, shoot. Yeah, on Netflix, December 23rd in cinema, November. That's dumb. Because that was my first movie ever. That was how this podcast started. 
the first movie you ever watched on this podcast and it was great um oh yeah let's get started and carrie what kind of scary movies have you been watching uh, so I saw uh, Barbarian today in the movie theater. Wow. <laughs> How was it? It was uh, gross in some parts, but very enjoyable. I actually liked it a lot more than I was expecting to. Nice. I saw, um, oh, there's this great one called um, Brutal Hell, I think it's called about this guy that was like a hero at a bank robbery, but then he took it too far. So what do you prefer? And do you prefer like, killed. do you prefer like tense, moody, scary, or do you prefer like gory, campy, or do you prefer like a thriller type of horror? I don't know. What other type of horrors are there? My favorites are like supernatural. Okay. Where it's like really scary. Like Some I, demons I don't have a and lot ghosts of... and type yeah like i don't, I don't care for like vampires i saw um oh that movie in the theater is a vampire movie what was it called oh morbius twilight no i saw that twilight. One. it was terrible <laughs> um no it was about this girl that did like a 23 and me thing and found out that she had family all the way in england and so they invited her to come out uh, hereditary no i saw that though too that was Nuts. Um, um the proposal no it's like the invitation isn't it the invitation yeah i saw that i was gonna get there and i did very good the proposal yeah. is ryan reynolds and sandra bullock I know. yeah yeah I know. it's so bad <laughs> um, yeah i like really actually scary you know like i think probably to this day the ring is the scariest movie i've ever seen that in midsummer mm. Like have you rewatched it nasty. since we all went and saw it in the theater freshman year? Yes. The ring? Yeah, I think I saw it with uh, my sister Stacy because when we get together, like all we do is watch really crappy horror films and do like word puzzles and play Legend of Zelda video games together. What about- I'm pretty sure you and I, Carrie, also watched rewatched it together at some point. When oh, we I'm sure we did. Still in college. What about yeah. Darkness yeah. Falls? Did you ever see Darkness Falls? Oh my Falls? gosh. Is that the one about the tooth fairy? Yes, I've seen that. That's so bad. Terrible. That was maybe the only movie that I saw at the Dollar Theater and felt completely ripped off. <laughs> yeah, I was with you. Uh-huh. It was, it was, it was I remember bad. That. We walked there too. We uh-huh. walked there and it was a late movie and we had to walk home from the Dollar Theater after uh-huh. Darkness Falls. I, I don't remember how late. But it was dark. It was cold. Mm-hmm. Nice. And Jessica, what kind of TV shows have you been watching? What haven't I been watching? I don't know. Um, What's some highlights? I mean, the same things, House of Dragon and Ring of Power, Rings of Power are still ongoing. Mm-hmm. That, did you watch the, the new season of Bake Off? I haven't started it and we it's, should do a side podcast. We should. It's great so far. Okay, I'll start. Also, it. one of my coworkers is in London right now and saw Jurgen from last season on the tube. So. Oh, he's so great. And he was carrying a container of baked goods. So very Oh unbranded. man. I know. But... Um, I'll send you guys you guys the picture later. Um yeah, I've been loving house. Or not, I've been loving Ring of Power. It's been great. It's honestly, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised 
yep. it's really cool to see. I've been enjoying all the time we're spending in Numenor. I know it's kind of boring, but I don't care because I just like like it's watching getting a it. slow start, but like there's a, there's a lot they got to lead up to. Uh huh. And I read a really in-depth Twitter thread the other day of someone analyzing like the geographic movements of the Harfoots and like where exactly they are and comparing it to Tolkien's maps and all of this uh-huh. stuff, just getting way too deep into it. But that was really interesting to me. I've been they watching make the- up the stories in it, Jessica, or is it like from the Silmarillion? It's like or- loosely based around actual stuff, but obviously filled out with a lot of made-up stuff yeah i heard they didn't have rights to lord of the rings or to the similarian but they had rights to the footnotes book the appendices appendices so they just took names and places and history to lord of the rings but i i think they'll still craft an interesting story i really wish but we have seen some stuff that is from the Silmarillion. so i don't know if they're just kind of oh i don't know skirting the rules there or what but just like little tidbits of it love it but yeah that's great um i don't know what else i've been watching making the cut which is the project runway successor successor that nobody cares about um a really bad season of bachelorette just finished well wait i like project runway is it any good making the cut i enjoy it it's very different um (laughs) It's almost more focused on, in the end, it's like more focused on the business aspect. Like part of their final thing is they have to present a collection, but they also have to put together a business plan and present it to like Amazon executives. So there's all this co-branding. Like at the end of the season or the end of each episode? Yes. Okay. Yes, at the end of the season, but as each episode goes along, the like winning look is immediately available for sale on Amazon. So there's just like a lot of, enmeshment with kind of the corporate side of it which yeah it's just weird but I still enjoy it Tim Gunn is delightful he shared with us on the last episode that he was at Woodstock in the 60s wearing a navy blazer and gray flannel trousers and brown loafers which is the most on-brand thing I can possibly imagine (laughs) nice Um, some reality recap yep Nothing else exciting. Cool. And then I got my uh, letterbox since The Secret of Nim. I finished The Lost City, five stars. Finished The Nice Guys. It was great, five stars. What did I say? I said Gosling is great, fun, gritty, 70 crime homage. I watched Spider-Man No Way Home for the first time. And I said, I'm a sucker for wholesome friendships. Me and Owen just crying at the end. Loved it. Oh, man. Owen's my 12-year-old. <laughs> just like tears. Just like he's just wiping tears away from his face. And I'm just crying, too. We're just watching Spider-Man and crying. It was great. Is it mean that I love when kids cry in movies? I think it's delightful. No, this like cry a while watching movies. Oh, there you when go. Kids are moved to tears by movies. Yes. Say. Well, Owen cries like every movie. It's, it's so good. All right. And then I watched Maniac with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. That was a, like a, a, what, eight episodes or something. And I said that I gave it four and a half. Some episodes are better than others, but I enjoyed it all. Emma Stone is sometimes hard to look at, 
Jonah Hill was so tired. <laughs> I don't Can know. I get some context around that Emma Joe Emma Emma. She Jones? was just sometimes she's just like they'd zoom up on her face, and she has such big eyes, and it was kind of hard to look. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, oh, she's striking. Not like bad. She's great. Everyone did great. I also cried on that one. Oh man, that's some of those are tearjerkers with the sister and like saying goodbye. And also I liked when they went back and they were like old timey suits in the twenties at like some type of seance. Some of the flashbacks or the episodes were more interesting than others, but I liked it all. And then because I watched to Jonah Hill, I watched, this is the end from 2013. And I said, I gave it three stars. I said, trying to watch more Jonah Hill movies. Seth Rogen is delightful. James Franco is the worst. Jay was annoying. Emma Watson was great. Not enough Paul Rudd. Repetitive and too long. That was, this is the end. Has anybody seen that one? You can watch Jonah Hill movies, but he will never talk about the movies that he's in anymore. Isn't that like kind of the new thing? He said he's not doing any more promo stuff for his um, any of his upcoming films because he said he's kind of got to take charge of his own mental health or something. So that's fine. Yeah, nice. People are an interesting mean to way him. to take your own career. I know. I I love. He he directed one. What's yeah? We talked about one? this. This was like episode three, movie club. Yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. It was right. Like no, I remember. Okay, we're going back. This was the last episode before we had the Paul break, where we didn't see you for a year. <laughs> yeah, sorry, because I <laughs> I remember like best year of I, our lives. I told you that you should watch um, Minding the Gap which is a documentary that's like the same kind of thing. It's like skateboarding kids from the nineties, but it like gets really serious. Mm-hmm. And I kept wanting to ask you if you'd watched it and then you just never came back. Well, I'm writing Minding the Gap <laughs> down just like I did two years ago. And I will let you know. In a month. I think it's on Amazon. You don't have to feel obligated, but that's the one that's like connected in my mind because it's like a stupid movie about skater losers in the nineties. And it's like, surprisingly really really good oh man that that yeah mid 90s that's that's one that made me cry and i thought like a bunch of people i saw the trailer to that and it looked really serious and sad and i i gave it a pass i'm not ready for that it is but it's also not i i um it's just it's one of those both and instead of those either or kind of movies yeah, it does a really good job of taking characters that would normally be stereotyped and like fleshing them out into like full people that you feel connected to. Like the bully to. older brother type. Yeah, I mean, it's all like the loser skaters, you know, and mm-hmm. it's this, it follows a young kid. It's been a little while since I've seen it, but um, just kind of trying to find his place in life and encountering all these people that, you know, are doing the same sort of thing. But a lot of these things that, you know, parties and whatever that on the outside would seem like victorious moments. There's like just all this turmoil underneath it. And I don't know, mm-hmm. it, it adds a lot of depth to, you know, these characters that usually would be in stupid comedy movies or whatever. Yeah, Love it. Oh, and then Jason, have anything to say about uh, Clint's reptiles? 
no. Uh, if you saw this last Saturday's video, you would have seen a lot of Will. Oh, uh, nice. Watch that one. Okay. Uh, Will decided that he would. Uh, he went to the Amazon a while ago with with Clint. And okay. He, uh, <laughs> of course. Let's of course. go to Brazil. Uh, Peru, but yeah. Peru. Uh, and he decided to do the bullet ant challenge, and they filmed it, and they contrasted it. Will's reaction to another YouTuber called uh, Coyote Peterson or something like that. For is that uh, like a bullet ant where they bite you and then you just like are in pain in front of the camera? Yeah, basically. Okay. They really sting you with their stinger. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you just got your beard. <laughs> Yeah, he's got it, all right. <laughs> uh, I realized my speakers were over here, or my mic. Um, and so you should watch that video because it's really good and Will's in it a lot. Nice. Um, we just passed 460,000, so that's good. It's just trucking along, doing its thing. Cool. Doing its thing, huh? That's awesome. That reminds me. Um... The last episode we had was a double feature featuring every, everything everywhere all at once and the secret of Nim has seven plays. So pretty good. Top top episodes still is um let's see. Chad and Sean talk Weezer with Andrew with 66. And I think it was the same last month. So <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm catching up, Jason. <clears throat> One of these days. We're going to blow up. Yeah. Oh, and uh, last week I recorded episode two of my three brothers Rick's podcast. So that's out there too. It'll probably be every six months. Don't you have like four brothers? No, I've got Jerem as my older brother and then Evan is my younger brother. Oh, who would the other brother be? That's fun. Rachel! Perfect timing. Now we can start talking about the movie. Paul. Oh, yay. Um, let's start talking about the movie. What movie did you pick? And why did you pick it? And then we'll watch the trailer. And then you can walk through the plot. Okay, so I chose uh, Three Identical Strangers, which apparently, even uh, in my gap year from the podcast, this is our first documentary feature. Is that right? Yeah. So, and, and I think, Sean, probably a year ago or something, too, like I had talked about maybe watching this one, right? Uh, yeah, I remember that. I okay. actually thought about choosing this one on one of mine because you had brought it up before. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey guys, what are you up to, Tommy? Are you, are you in trouble? He's holding a what up, Tommy? He's holding a Harry Potter wand, and it looks like it's going to become like a real weapon. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So why Thomas just, Ricks. Thomas Ricks. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, so why did I choose this one? Well, so I tried Marcel the Shell, but it's you can like you have to buy it, right? Um, yeah. I thought that would be a, a crowd pleaser um rating wise but also like as a one bubble off kind of movie where maybe unexpectedly cool but uh gonna have to wait but then i just thought 
the the first time that I had watched this, um, I just remembered thinking, okay, so the whole construct of the film is mostly just two people being interviewed, right? And seemingly like not even on different days, wearing the same dang clothes. It looks like they interviewed him like one time almost. And then, and you almost have a whole movie just in that. And then I just, the the whole premise of it blew my mind. And it's, I guess one of the questions that I kept having, just like with the Milgram experience, um, experiments and everything else, which is this notion of like once ethics are thrown out the window, um, how much actually can be quote unquote learned. And then the second part was um, kind of like how things wrap up in the last couple of scenes where I think it's one of somebody's wife, but it might be somebody's friend who just kind of says, a couple of people right after each other, they just say like, Hey, this is what I think about the nurture nature. This is what I think about the And like, like ending that lifelong argument or that eons long argument, you know, once and for all we figured out, but it's just like, um, even as they're saying like, well, I know the answer mm-hmm. to the nurture nature thing. It seems like it's just planting more seeds for more conversations around more fires where people are like, I don't know, which one do you think is more powerful? Um, And then maybe probably like a lot of you guys, I kind of had this introspective, just had to deal with my own thoughts and feelings, my own mortality and be like, there is a lot of research about uh, chronology of where you come into like your own family, right? First child, last child, middle child, et cetera, et cetera. And then just kind of unpacking, I too want to feel like I am this agentic, autonomous being. And I also just have to admit that there are all kinds of other factors at play that probably are influencing me in myriad ways that I don't even know. So I think that's a way of talking about the movie without talking about the movie, which (laughs) is what I thought you asked me to do. So there you have it. Sure. Let's watch the trailer. Jason, you want to push that up? Yes. Uh, I'm going to do a test. Tell me if you can hear the uh, movie if I do mute. Okay. I wouldn't believe the story if someone else were telling it, but it's true, every word of it. It started when I went to college. It was the first day of school. All these people are coming up to me saying, Eddie, how are you? Eddie, hi. I'm like, my name's not Eddie. I don't know what you're talking about. As soon as this guy turned around, I knew it was Eddie's double. I said, you're not going to believe this. You have a twin brother. Oh, my God. As I reached out to knock on the door, it opens. And there I am. His eyes are my eyes, my eyes are his eyes, and it's true. And then the story went from being amazing to incredible. It was an article to Twins Reunited. I think I might be the third. When 
people ask me, what is the most remarkable story you ever encountered? I tell them it's the story of the triplets. You guys have been on the front page of every newspaper in the world. True. They, they were more like clones than they were like brothers. It was a miracle. There was nothing that could keep us apart. That's when things kind of got funky. Something was just not right. They separated these boys at birth. The parents had never been told that there were two other children. What was the purpose? Why? How could you not tell us? They're trying to conceal what they did from the people they did it to. When you play with humans, you do something very wrong. It would be evil enough to come up with something like this. There's a lot of powerful people who would like to have the story silenced. There's still so much that we don't know. It boggles the mind. It's a mystery. I'd like to know the truth. Nice. Um, I'm glad I didn't watch the trailer before. You know, it kind of, it didn't give away the whole thing, but I didn't see the twist at all. Multiple twists. I guess it didn't give away all, all of it, but yeah. Anyways, go ahead, Paul. What's the plot? Walk us through it. Yeah. So the plot is, um, I think that one of the opening scenes, you just kind of have brother A saying, you know, my, my story begins 56 years ago or something, but really it begins when I'm 19. And then we're just dropped um, into his freshman year of college, going to community college, everybody coming up to him, kissing him, saying, you know, high-fiving him, it's good to have you back, all this stuff. And he's just taking the experience in, but he has no idea who all of these people are that seemingly have mad love for him because he's never met them. At which point, like it says in the trailer, this guy says, were you adopted? Yes. Were you born on such and such a date? Yes. Okay. You've got a brother out there. So that's re remarkable enough, right? Like, Hey, you've got this biological twin. That story blows up. And because it's passed through newspapers, the third brother of the triplets finds out, Oh my gosh, Hey, I am also part of this world. But then these people who were, separated after when they were like what six months old or something um they spend it seems like the rest of their adulthood together and trying to create this family that never was and then um some of the the twists and turns are <clears throat> that you have scientists kind of playing god by pulling apart these identical twins and we find out that these triplets are kind of part of a greater study where other um, identical twins are separated at birth and then uh, usually put into different socioeconomic classes under the uh, kind of presupposes that like that that is going to do something and then these little kiddos or I guess these adults remember that as little kiddos people come in and take notes they have you do kind of IQ test type of stuff very 1960s psychology um and i thought that was super interesting too about like these the people who lived through the holocaust 
then feel comfortable pulling the strings in a godlike manner uh, or demigod or whatever we want to define that. And then, and then, and then, and then, uh, as we unpack, it's like, well, we've been watching this movie about these three brothers and we have interviews with their various parents, but all of the footage of this third brother is, you know, once upon a time and it kind of ends in 1993. What the heck? Well, um, spoiler alert that one of the brothers commits suicide and that's where I think a lot of the heavier questions really kind of um, where, where I sit with, with a lot of those questions. And I guess I could have said, um, why, did, why did I choose this film? One time Anthony was talking to me, and I think maybe I've talked to you guys about this, but he was saying one of his friends in high school said something to the effect of, you know how like everybody's thought about committing suicide? And Anthony said at that time he realized, oh, now I haven't thought about that, but this person saying this to me totally has, like has ever had thoughts of suicidality. And, um, and the fact that she feels so comfortable saying it, she also feels like if it's happened to me, it's happened to everyone. So if I've had a thought of suicide, then surely everybody else on earth has. And what I thought about the whole time that I was watching this movie is as twisted, as messed up, as crazy as the situations were, there was also a lot of love. There was also a lot of joy. There were also a lot of miraculous occurrences. And I thought that holds up for everybody's lives, right? Where it's, it's a good and bad life. It's a dark and light life. It's a rich and poor life. It's a healthy and unhealthy life. And, and I just thought, man, these guys went through all kinds of gnarly stuff undeservedly. And at the same time, like there was just this, I, I would say like a lot of beauty in their lives. And um, I thought it was hilarious when the wives get interviewed, like they all think they got the best one. I thought it was, it just, I just sat with it. And then I guess after all of that being kind of the, the synopsis of the narrative, I also think it's one of those movies that after you watch it, one one possible response could be like, oh, well, that was so weird, but thank goodness my life's not like that. But I think a much more productive engagement would be, wow, anybody's life, literally anybody's life on earth, if we were to take the time to write about it, make a song about it, make a docu documentary film, like I believe literally any person's life would be enough to keep all of us in business for the rest of forever that tomes could be written about any person and it would just be fascinating because of how complex people are so yeah that's some of my thoughts about the thing so five and, stars oh i was thinking about that <laughs> number of stars um i don't know because i don't think it's like uh, documentaries where they have like people acting in them. Mm -hmm. I, I think I personally, like that's not a stylistic thing that I love, but I also thought 
I think it's really compelling the way they filmed this. I think it's really compelling that you have voiceovers as this is happening. Um, so I don't know about five stars, but I think five star story, five star soul, five star emotions, five star making me think about my own mortality. And then if I were to write for rogerebert.com, I wonder if I'd be more cynical and give it like three or three and a half, or I have no idea, but five stars because of how it, like I personally transacted with the text, I guess. Yeah. Those guys were compelling. I was thinking about that, what you were saying, like anybody can have a, potentially anybody could have a story about them. And if I was doing like a talking head to a camera and telling dramatically the story of my life and like pausing and staring into the camera and like dramatic effect, I don't think I'd be very good at it, but those guys seem pretty natural at telling their own story in a compelling way without, I don't know how much, I don't, yeah, it makes me think like there's no like stuttering or like tripping over words. I know they weren't acting. Were they just really good at telling their own life story? I don't if, know. If there were triplet versions of me, we would just keep it to ourselves. We wouldn't be going <laughs> on talk shows and opening restaurants and dancing. Yeah, that's right. Like they had a personality that that really worked to bring yeah. some. I thought that too. Experience. Like this could have happened to so many people, but if they were introverts, nobody would ever know this story. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe there would I, be one article, but. I mean, there's a reason that the movie's about these triplets and not those two sisters that were also featured in the movie, but frankly, much less interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, and I thought, did they, as far as them being compelling, like creating compelling interviews, did they earn their 10,000 hours in the eighties when they're going on all of these talk shows and did they kind of like, I'm sure they told their story so many times, how many times, you know, and and at some point they're like, well, this gets a response and this gets a response. And, but I also thought there were like some very like sensitive moments Mm -hmm. beyond dramatic pause where like, you just look into some guy's eyes and you're like, I'm very captivated right now because I don't know what you're thinking, but I know what I'm feeling. And like, I'm very engaged in this, in this moment. Love it. And also the bad guys were so easy to not like Yeah, that rich lady in La Jolla that had no soul, <laughs> you know, like she's like, Oh yeah. What we did wasn't unethical. It was just, it was fine separating these triplets and studying them. And we weren't studying them. We were studying their parents and we were keeping everything a secret. Like what were we I was just an employee. I had no responsibility, you know, like those yeah. bad guys were so easy to not like. It was great. Also creepy. Although I think while she kind of becomes the face of an idea, I think if you just did some sort of like, um, you know, anonymous vote, people of a certain generation, people of a certain age. I wonder if if they would feel comfortable saying like, oh, well, I don't know, is it that messed up? Is it that weird? Is it that? So I wonder if, she, um, and the other guy who like only collected the data for 10 months or something, you know, like uh-huh. I think that was, if he has a soul, which I'm, I'm fairly certain that he does because he's the only one like comfortable talking about it. You know, I think, the people who probably lost more of their souls are the, those who like won't yeah. admit, won't admit to the, the thing. Um, or the or maybe, people clinking champagne, like they celebrated yeah. after like 
that's so evil getting rid of the parents yeah at the orphanage yeah and and i loved one of the take-home messages too of like the the guy who was in the lowest socioeconomic status but his dad wrestled with them and his dad loved like you know kind of created a loving environment that that was everything because mm-hmm. i mean i need that to be true because otherwise so much of the world is just hosed because they don't have money you know yeah but if like love really does unlock the soul then then i think we have a lot of hope for humanity or whatever all right we're gonna go around uh carrie you're gonna start and then we're going to circle it since you're in the top. Um, all right. Well, I have <laughs> read about this <laughs> in the New York Times, like back when it came out. So like I knew a little bit about it, but it had been such a long time that, you know, I didn't know too much beyond um, triplets being separately adopted out. I think I forgot that it was for a study. Um and I want to know, like, how they even formed the study. Like, where's the control group? You know, like the basic elements. Like, I'm not a scientist by any means, but it seemed like a very flawed study from the beginning, and more like people wanting to play psychologist or or whatever. Like, it just seemed very poorly thought out and more like people wanting to have fun and call it science. Um, Part of this hit a little close to home just because I am a twin. Um, So there was like that aspect of, although I'm not identical, I have a twin brother that Jessica's met and Shauna's met. I don't know. I don't think any of the rest of you guys have met him. I don't Um, know. I've been to your parents' house in Springville one time, but I don't mm -hmm. remember me. I maybe have met your brother. Like you'd remember. (laughs) You would have met Gabe probably in Springville. I don't think Kyle. Because Kyle Kyle was living in Washington all that time, right? No, like Kyle, when we were in Springville, wasn't Kyle in in, Orem, Sean? He was in Orem for at least a little while, but it's not like he was over at your mom's house all the time. Yeah. Gabe lived there. So Chad, I'm sure you met Gabe, which is the older brother. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. My older brother has disabilities, like pretty obvious disabilities. Kyle mm-hmm. is like a foot taller than me and twice my weight. Like he's a huge guy. So like, I feel like you'd remember. Okay. <laughs> <that. Yeah. laughs> um, but yeah, just like, even though we're not identical, but like the idea of like being separated from him and then meeting him, you know, out of high school, like in college. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think about that. Just like how devastating, even though like we were siblings, we didn't always get along. We got along a lot better once we were in our twenties, but um, like, he's my family. Like he's very much a part of me and how I look at myself and identify and and everything. Can I ask a a quick question? Did you guys Mm -hmm. share like crib space? Because I know like some sometimes they they 
like in NICU situations and stuff, they put twins next to each other because they've been next to each other for however long mm -hmm. in utero. Like, do you not remember, but do you know the stories behind that? Yeah, my, my understanding, like, I don't know about the NICU, but um, like we were a month premature and I think my parents kind of tag teamed it where they would set like they lived in separate rooms and my dad would take care of Kyle and my mom would take care of me um, with, you know, at least getting us through the night, nighttime feedings and all of that. Um, but like, I remember sharing a room with Kyle and Gabe up until I was like eight or nine, something like that. Um, I know I lived with my older sister for some of that. Maybe I was a little older. I don't know. I just remember in some of our houses, I shared a room with my sister and other houses. I shared a room with my brothers. Um, but yeah, we were really close when we were really little. There's pictures of us like, you know, like <laughs> hugging really tight and huge smiles on our faces and pictures of like me beating him up, even though he was way bigger than me and eating crayons. Yeah, it's just like these boys missed out on so much. And like my, my favorite part in the movie that's just heartbreaking is when the aunt was describing them all together, just wrestling around on the floor of her house. And, you know, that shouldn't have been the first time <laughs> that that happened. Um, yeah, you know, they should have been wrestling and fighting and getting into trouble and wrecking cars you know, since childhood, like that's just, you know, it is an evil that was done to them and nothing can repair that. No amount of psychological uh, information can make up for it. So I didn't cry during the movie, but now I'm getting <laughs> a little choked up about it. Just, yeah, they, they seem like really good guys. They all seem to have, you know, a darkness to them, like understandable. Um, but, you know, I think that's human nature too. They all seem like people you would want to get to know and people that you have met and do know, you know, they all seemed very, yeah, gregarious, like the dad said, just really, they're mm -hmm. good people. That's all I have to say about that. Cool uh sean and then i don't know we'll keep on going i'll surprise you <laughs> oh boy um so i watched this movie i think in 2018 shortly after it came out like when it was first available for streaming so this is my second time watching it the first time um was definitely a different experience than my second time I feel like I got a lot of this like emotional reaction to the story and that I really engaged with it. There were a couple things that I remembered watching it the first time that enough time had passed that I didn't really remember why, but there were just a couple things that had felt a little off. The first one that I specifically remembered was I didn't like how it was edited to make it look like um, Eddie's dad was responsible for his suicide. Um, mm -hmm. And the second thing was, I felt like, I'm trying to think how to like phrase this in a way that really reflects what I'm thinking. But like they do, the way that the story is told really makes the villains look really bad. 
and it's unquestionably unethical what they did. But I think that it doesn't necessarily do a good job of framing it in the time that it was done. Like there are some passing comments like, oh, this was the 1960s. People weren't thinking about that. But like how much truth is there to that? Like were adoption agencies that weren't doing studies separating twins at birth? Or was this like really some evil yeah. thing that these people were doing? They specifically say that this is, this oh, no, is Jessica not Nazi to say. stuff that they're doing. I, I, I just don't know. Say, I don't know that it was super common, but their excuse that it would be difficult to place multiples together in a home is one that I've heard before. And I imagine many twins were separated by adoption agencies over mm-hmm. the years, probably not as purposefully and with like a specific end in mind as, as these people, as this agency, but I am sure that it has happened. Right. Um, like, well, it's... you'd think the adoptee, the, the adoptee parent would know that they're siblings and maybe have a choice like, oh, I can't take both, but I can take one. And that's that's the main thing that I think is is unquestionably unethical, that they just weren't informed of the, the background yeah. of these children. Um, among a couple other things, just the way that it was so designed without the knowledge of the parents. But I feel like a lot, like they're, they're saying this is like equivalent to the Nazis. The Nazis were like, vivisecting people and stuff these were like people doing iq tests on kids they unquestionably messed up these kids but the way that the story was told made it seem like evil conspiracy and these are the good guys um so i don't know i have i have mixed feelings about that because i don't want to feel like i'm rooting for the bad guys and i'm definitely not but i there's this part of me that's like well like what's their side of the story I don't think that I'm going to want to side with them regardless, but like, I want, I want a little bit more of that. Um, I also, so um, this time, like watching it kind of with that in mind and, and a lot of what I was thinking about while I was watching was like the craft of making a documentary because documentaries are basically universally presented as truth. This is the story. This is what happened, but it's absolutely edited to tell a story in a certain way. Um, so there were certain certain things about it that um, work really well for a story, but that I feel like are disingenuous in portraying the truth. Um, like I said, kind of pegging the um, the dad's parenting style for Eddie's suicide as if depression isn't like this hugely multifaceted thing and that nurture is only the parents and not, you know, this kid's experience in the wider world and all of the things that he's gone through apart from whether his dad was strict or not. It just seems like this really, really complicated thing that they, um, they just simplified too much. And I, I did a lot of, th- so the, I'm I'm kind of scattered right now. The thing that really sent me down my like research rabbit hole after watching the movie was there's this passing comment on the Phil Donahue show. Oh, wasn't one of you involved in a murder? Oh yeah, that was just my friends. That wasn't me. I know. know. Oh yeah, we're on your side. And they just dismiss it like that. So I'm like, wait, I need to find out like what this was. So I was reading through all these like decisions from the appellate courts and all this stuff to figure out what went on. Oh no. yeah so like again huh yeah 
Yeah, I, I did. I didn't read the dissenting opinion on the second, the time that it was retried. Okay. But um, so I stopped somewhere. But I spent like like an hour reading legalese that I only understood a third of. Um, but what happened was this guy, not the one in the movie, but um, Bobby's friend, his girlfriend lived in an apartment above an 83 year old woman. He told Bobby that he was going to rob her of these diamond rings and that he'd kill her if like he wouldn't let her. He was involved. Him and two other guys went with this guy and sat in the car while he went for 20 minutes, came back with a tire iron and blood on his clothes and two diamond rings. Like he was an accomplice to this murder. Afterwards, he went with this guy and pawned the rings for $2,000. Like he, he confessed, I guess he pled guilty to manslaughter and avoided charges by testifying of these things that I just said. Like this isn't based on a whole bunch of evidence. These were the things that, that he testified in court that he did. Um, the guy who was responsible for the murder somehow wasn't convicted on, um, on the murder charge, but was convicted on larceny. And it just went through the courts, all these technicalities. It went through um, up to the New York, I forget which court. It might have gone all the way to the New York Supreme Court, got kicked down and retried. And then um, when it got retried, the larceny charge held but they couldn't retry him for the murder because he had already been cleared of that charge the first time around. So basically this is the only guy that like saw any justice for that murder of an 83 year old woman. And it was, you know, five years of probation because he testified against his friend. Yikes. So, so I was researching Which brother that. Was it, again? it was Bobby, the one who's like more reserved, the skinnier one. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising. And the, the doctor's son, so they're telling the story about, oh, the socioeconomic thing is so important. And the one with the you know, strict parent in the middle-class family was the one that committed suicide. Well, what about the one who was in the rich family who was an accomplice to a murder? Like, is that not important to the story that you're telling? Like, how do you just gloss over that? And I think the reason is because if you really drill into that, then you don't get the great interview from Bobby. You know, he's not gonna come be a part of this documentary if that's part of the story they're telling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I kept coming across like a bunch of comments from like this woman's family, her grandchildren and great grandchildren saying like, how dare you put this guy on this platform and make him look like this great guy. Like he, he murdered my grandmother. So like, there's this whole complicated part of the story that was just not even told. It was just a throwaway comment. Um, and I saw, I saw where somebody asked him, there was a Reddit asked me anything that the director did. It was really interesting. It was a lot more discussion by people. And then the director just had like little short answers that everyone took as talking points, because I think this is a really great movie for like getting people thinking and talking about things. But um, yeah, he kind of had the same thing. He was like, oh, he hadn't even met the woman. It, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a murderer. I was like, well, yeah, but it's, there's more to it than that. Yeah, it's technically um, true. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things, this is kind of a, a tangent, but the thing I was trying to say earlier that I couldn't say without my research rabbit hole was one of those threads that I went down. There was a, a woman who had a really long comment that she put on one of these Reddit threads about just how horrible and unethical this whole thing was. And it's the mother of triplets. She can't believe that this happened. But then she went on to say how 
two of her triplets are autistic and I think the other one has Asperger's or something. So she's like a gold mine for data and has been part of all sorts of research projects and has been this willing participant and has given over like their DNA and all this stuff because she's a willing participant. Like why couldn't they have just done the setup of this experiment the right way? And they could yeah. have gotten all of this information that they needed. You well, know? they were saying in the, the documentary, it wasn't really about the kids. It was also studying the parents and their style. Mm-hmm. So if they told the parents, then it would just be, uh, yeah, whatever. It was dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think I have a lot of mixed feelings about, about this movie and how it was told, but as a movie, I think it's like a five-star movie. Like I emotionally engaged with it. It got me thinking, it got me digging into this and like, you know, beyond just like what I'm talking about now, like the rationalizing and like, what does this all mean? And I'm going to research it, but like, it made me feel things and it made me think about my life and who I am and my relationships with people and whatever else I like get accomplished its mission 100%. But it's, it's just one of those things that I think a lot about when I watch documentaries is like, what is the story being told and how does it relate to the truth? And sometimes it's enough to make me like go on research vendors like this. Most of the time it doesn't, but um, yeah. So I don't know, even, even the second time when I was looking at it with a more critical eye, I did really engage with it emotionally. I think it's a really remarkable movie. Um, but so that's my, that's my book report on the decisions of the appellate court of New York. Woo! That's a deep dive. Thank you, Sean, for your section of Sean's deep dive. It's been a while since you've done a deep dive on one of these movies and welcome back. Thank you. I will commit myself to doing more deep dives. That's right. Jessica. Sorry, you're next in line. I feel unprepared. Um, Okay. (laughs) So what'd you think? I mean, I think a lot of things I probably won't talk about all of them because I'll just start crying again. Oh, but no. yeah, this is fresh. You just finished the movie. I know. It's you a just lot. came out it's of it. You lot. were just crying in the bathroom. And I like teared up while Carrie was talking. I can't. Oh, know. Rachel missed the announcement that Jessica's pregnant. 14 oh, weeks. Rachel, I'm pregnant. We're having a boy at the end of March. <laughs> I love doing this on video just to specifically watch Carrie's reactions, which are beautiful. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yay. Congrats. 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 Um, <laughs> so, okay, but about this movie, I, I mean, obviously the experiment design is unethical. So was a lot of experiment design in that time, not to justify it, but I'm not going to act like this study was unique. Um, I Still sad still sad, super incredibly sad. And um, like Sean, you brought up how everyone was comparing it to like Nazi experiments. Obviously it's not conducting like surgical experiments on living victims, but it still is, you know, it's a degree of evil. It's it's a different kind of evil, I guess, to, to sever people from their family members. Um, and the interesting thing is 
like obviously we all want to know why they did this what was the motivation behind this study what were they really looking at and I can't imagine that the motivations were really like honest or um interested in the public good right if they were they would not have placed the documents in an archive and placed a strong restriction on access to them. And honestly, I'm surprised that they gave access to the brothers, you know, as they said at the, at the end. Um, it's right that they, they do, they should give access to those records to everyone who wants them, who is involved, who is a subject of the experiments. But the organization that holds control over those records would not have done that if they did not think that there was something that could be, that could reflect poorly on them. Mm -hmm. is my opinion. Um, and I, I read a little bit about that. That was my deep dive because my background is in archives and historical records and stuff. And my kind of take on that is, I mean, Yale holds control of the records, right? But as an archivist, you try as much as possible to hold to the intention of the people that gave you the records. But it seemed like they, there's also a lot of fear of lawsuits from what was it, Jewish, the board, the Jewish Board of Families and Children or whatever it's called. Um, and that was what kept them from providing access for a long time to the subjects of the study. Um, so take that for what you will, because part of me was wondering why don't they just get a lawyer and sue for access to these records that are about them. I have a question about that, Jessica, yeah. and I don't know if you know the answer, but um, I know that, I participated in a study at BYU just about, so it was something silly about eating habits or something. And um, <clears throat> they're not allowed to share, typically they're not allowed to share results with anybody until the study's been published. And because the study hasn't been published, I wonder if they're like hiding behind that as an excuse. But at the same time, it's been so long and the person in charge of the study has passed on. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely a concern for the privacy of the people involved there, right? And in more recent studies, like the one you participated in, and I participated in a lot of studies at BYU and other places since then. Um, and I'm sure that if those records existed, and you went to the, somehow you remembered who did them, who did the study, and you went to them and said, hey, I was just curious about this, how did it go, can I look at my own data? I'm sure that if those records existed, they would get them to you. But there are also these things known as record retention schedules that tell large organizations generally how long they are legally required to hold on to records. So like, if you participated in a study 15 years ago and it was run by a grad student, does that data still exist somewhere? It depends on the grad student's data management practices, which in my experience, Grad students don't have great data management practices. So there's that. So the fact that these records in this case even still exist, it was kind of astonishing me to, to me. I assumed all along as we were finding out more and more about this study that we would find out that they'd been destroyed or lost or whatever when Neubauer died. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm sure we'll find out in. One of one of the one other years. things I found on my deep dive was that journalist who did so much research on it 
his theory on why they're still locked up is because he thinks that the results of the study invalidated Freud's theories. And this guy was so obsessed with Freud, it like would destroy his whole career. And so it was his own, I guess, hubris that he didn't want to be shamed or have to change his outlook or whatever that that's why it was locked up. I don't know. Obviously, I didn't research it as much as this journalist. I'm not sure I'm totally convinced that's right, but it's an interesting theory, at least. No, that is a really interesting take because Freud is all is like heavily focused on nurture, really, and like how your upbringing influences your later behaviors. And but I think that's a bad theory because to me, watching this story validates that, right? Like they have they were identical twins. They have the same genes the the potential for the same things is there in them the only thing different were the triggers they encountered the parents that raised them the life experiences they had the murders they were or weren't involved in you know those were the things that kept that led one twin to be hospitalized for a long period of time and kill himself and others and the others not to follow that path so far hopefully never so to me that was the thing that I was left with at the end is genetics have a heavy influence but there are other things that influence how those genes are expressed and how different things come out so I don't know um the other thing I was going to say is that I my other deep dive that I also went on was about the Minnesota twin study have any of you guys heard of that None of you were sex students like I was. There's a super <laughs> famous study at the University of Minnesota called the Minnesota Twin Study. They have studied, I think it's actually ended. I think they published their results sometime in the 90s, but um, they studied twins reared together. Obviously, a ton, a ton, a ton of those because twins reared together are not that hard to find. They also had a sub-study of twins reared apart. And so I was watching this and I was like, well, how did the Minnesota twin study find their twins reared apart? Did they also do this? Were they involved in this? Um, So I had to do some research and they didn't. And I think it's interesting to see the different, I mean, we don't know anything about the recruitment methods really for the people involved in this study, but the Minnesota twin study, and this was in the eighties, I think that they were recruiting twins reared apart. They, um basically put out the word that they wanted to study twins who had been reared apart and set up a way for people to contact them if they were a twin who knew that they had a twin out there somewhere but either found them later in life or um didn't have contact with them yet and so they became kind of this clearinghouse for sometimes connecting twins and or studying twins that had already been reunited by other means so there were definitely and I can't remember how many sets of twins were involved in that study, but that maybe answers the question we were talking about earlier, which is, was this a practice at other adoption agencies? And obviously it was, right? Mm. Because people were adopted out and raised by different family members. Sure. But I also really loved the moment where we meet the wives for the first time and they all felt like they got the best twin. I thought that was the most delightful thing. One of the most delightful things I've ever seen. (laughs) And what else? 
who was the blonde lady that talked a lot about David at the first? She was like the sister of a friend or just a friend of his. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they never explained who she was, but I really love her mannerisms and her like gestures and her whole demeanor, everything about her. It was great. Um, it was super interesting that they didn't have the two years older than all of these guys' sisters showing up mm-hmm. over and over and over. Like these, yeah. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's somebody like, asked you, that to the director, and his answer was just that they didn't have budget for it. Eventually, they just had to stop interviewing people because he was from England. So every time they came over, um, so they had to make careful choices about who they were interviewing. He said they interviewed one of the sisters one time, and it was like as an afterthought, right? As they were, you know, ending the day, and it just didn't amount to anything. So but like know, they by the look so on Jessica's face, like, yeah, I think they, they should have so gone down that interviewing, path. Like the friends and these other people that were like adjacent to their lives and the sisters were there. So wouldn't that be a priority? That's. Mm-hmm. And like, all, I think all three of these brothers have children that were never interviewed that I'm sure mm-hmm. are adult children at the time this movie was filmed. Like there were a lot of avenues they could have explored that they just didn't apparently because they ran out of money so maybe they'll make a sequel for identical strangers yeah. on all those maybe they edit them out clipping room floor you got to keep the story tight yeah. well but the thing is too like maybe a 2018 release versus a 22 release versus a 2030 because it seems like people are kind of willing to sit with you for eight episodes now or yeah. 10 hours or you know what i mean like be a mini series instead of just a, a feature film yeah so i've always cool the prequel is three amigos just so you guys know <laughs> dusty bottoms oh um thank you jessica and... um, i had one more one more thing i'm really sorry i know i talked for a really long time about things that nobody cares about but um i liked it I actually spoiled this for myself because when they were talking to Eddie's wife for the first time, they started playing Billy Joel's scenes from an Italian restaurant. And I was like, Brenda and Eddie, Brenda and Eddie, wait a second, is her name Brenda? Because I missed it. So I went looking for her name and in all the articles about her, where it mentions her name, it mentioned that he had also committed suicide. So I was like, oh man, and just waiting for it through the whole thing. But it was still tragic. I didn't even notice that the, there weren't three brothers being interviewed at the first and i was surprised that one i'm like oh yeah they were only interviewing two and one did commit suicide that's why it's not being interviewed so yeah that- i definitely noticed it the first time and i was just so anxious the whole time it's like is this brother on the outs and he just doesn't want anything to do with the other yeah. brothers anymore is he dead i was just like no matter happen. what it is you know it's yeah something. i i didn't want to know what what happened to him and it was like the worst possible outcome. So, all right, Jason, you're going to be last with your notes. So, Rachel's going to go next. If you can, Rachel, you still sitting next to boys at the table? No, I'm good. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I just would have to agree with Sean, but even more so, I felt so manipulated by the directions that they were going every time because at one point it was all nurture and then it was all nature and I did study the whole nurture nature thing got brought up in like so many of my 
health classes and everything. And I just found it really annoying after a while because it's obviously not one or the other. It's obviously a big mix of things. And to be sitting in a university class and someone simplifying it down to, oh, it's all nature, it's all nurture. But is it really? But this person says it was, and this person says it wasn't. And it's it just felt like juvenile after a while, having to listen to that same argument over and over. And um so I guess that irritated me just that that was the whole direction that they were going with the story and then also the conspiracy theory of like these Jewish corporation was involved with the government in some way to like do Nazi experiments that felt so contrived to me. Um, so unfortunately I wasn't focused on the people. Uh, I loved the dad, if I can, you know, think about the people and the parts of the movie and the people that I loved were like, I think it was um, not Robert or Eddie, but the other Danny, Davy, Bobby. No, I don't know. David, right? David's dad was just so warm and loving and fun. And the videos with him and the images of him were just like, I don't know. I liked that part. And then um, the same person that Jessica liked, the blonde woman that was a friend. Just the fact that these people had these loving friendships and aunts that like cared about them so much. Um, and th- I mean, those were the only people that they chose to interview, which was weird, but they were also just really fun, loving, good people. And I felt like there was some animosity between Bobby and David. I keep getting, am I getting that right now? Um, when they were talking about Eddie. Eddie's suicide felt like Bobby was getting irritated and um, that was not something that they kind of went into so I think the thing the, the documentary for me I would have really liked and appreciated them to go into go a totally different direction with it and to go more into their relationships rather than the whole conspiracy and the whole evilness and stuff like that um because that simplifies it too much for me and it doesn't answer anything and it doesn't it also doesn't like really allow you to analyze what's happening or what is so important about their relationships because you're just focused on these evil people or the ethics and I guess like Jessica said they didn't even go into really the ethics of the time period and what was going on 
on a regular basis or how normal or not normal this situation would have been at the time. Um, another thing that I thought about was one time I was talking to a friend of mine who I was just getting to know her. I still don't really know her very well, but we were in something together. And so I was talking to her, trying to get to know her and I asked her what she does. And her job was to, she works in an adoption agency, trying to help kids with mental disabilities and physical disabilities get adopted. And I asked like this really stupid question. I was just like, oh, do you just, do you let the parents know all the problems that these kids have? she's like of course we do like uh um and I was like yeah that would be really stupid if they didn't disclose it like that would be really unethical and illegal in my mind and I was like that was a really stupid question but at the same time I guess that was just happening recently you know not less than however old these guys are which probably 50 60 years old um so I guess it wasn't really that dumb of a question because maybe those kind of things are still hopefully they're not happening anymore hopefully when you when someone goes in to adopt someone or a child that they know as much information about that child and that they have options to that they know all the siblings and the family and everything that 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 um is in this person's life and that they have options to accept all of those things and and she also said that in their adoption agency they prepare them they have to um I think to even take classes and meet with the doctors and they have to take the kids to their doctor appointments before they can adopt them and things like that so um that was just something that I thought of Another thing that I thought of was I've been I was watching for a little while this this TV show called The Good Place, which was written by one of the um, writers of The Office. He created the show called The Good Place, which is about like ethics and can you be perfectly ethical all the time, or are people that purposely and intentionally do bad things can they still be good people? Can they be ethical? Can they be whatever and he asked himself all these questions and then he got really into psychology psychiatry read tons of books about it decided that he could be his own expert and create this show about it using like studies and and whatever published things by these different philosophers Um, and then he ended up writing his own book and it's funny it's kind of funny and he jokes around a lot about how he's just like you shouldn't trust him or believe anything that he says but he read all these books so he is an expert (laughs) but anyway um he wrote a book and I read his book and it was just interesting all the ethical things that you know were those people really evil or were they only showing the one side of them were they only, were they picking and choosing what parts of the interview that they showed? Like, I really felt like, especially with the older woman, that they were only choosing to portray her in one way when really she's like a, 
I mean, she, they've got pictures of her with Obama and with, and she's like telling him all these things and you're like, why is this even part of the story? Oh, just to make her look weird and evil and somehow tie her into some evil conspiracy that's tied in with the government. And, but there's really like way more to her than, than that. So that's, those are my thoughts. What's the book called, Rachel? I don't remember. Let me look it up. And someone else can talk while I look it up. Jason. Dan Harmon, is that who did it? Who wrote it? I am not good with names. I don't pay attention okay. to names. So. But uh, I just recently read it so I can find it on my Goodreads. It was Michael Schur, I think. How to be perfect, Michael Schur. The correct answer to every moral question. It's good. It's, it's a funny. Really good show. I love the good place. Yeah. I don't watch TV ever really. So the fact that I did watch like No, you watched Kim's Convenience. I watched every season of Kim's Convenience. But <laughs> Then I started The Good Place and I got through a little bit of it and then I just stopped watching. Anything. Oh, and you watched that one with the uh, the levees. I watched Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. Yeah. I was just about to recommend that because it's so good and I watched those like around the same time. But I think they're both Well, great. it's funny because I tried it at first and I didn't like it. So I, my cousin was like, just skip the first season. So I did. And then I got into it like halfway through the second season. And then I really liked it. Jason, you're up. Okay. Hopefully I don't wake up Caden here. Because <laughs> I precariously lean back and look at my notes. This <laughs> is <Just laughs> What's Karen up to? Did Karen watch the movie with you? Yeah. She's Did she putting, like it? Yeah, she liked it. She's putting Hunter to bed. So. <laughs> this is going to be a, a relaxed Jason yeah, this discussion is, right now. I'm not going to be as animated <laughs> as normal. Coming into the camera. <laughs> Hold on. Let me pull the camera closer. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So there's like uh, the first act of the movie is like different from the rest of it, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's playful. It's what a... They have awesome, actors. What an awesome experience, you know, like, oh, we found each other. Yay. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> have, have you guys ever seen uh, Kid History? Anybody watch Kid History? Yeah, like 10 years ago, it was really popular. Yeah, I feel like the, the beginning story would make a great Kid History uh, little little uh, episode where they're like, and, and Uncle Billy was walking onto, onto at school and people were kissing him <laughs> like I, I don't know um okay i'm gonna just my my review is gonna be a lot way like way more superficial than y'all so just deal with it yeah deal um i love how they talked about their meaty hands <laughs> that was so weird baseball mitt hands that was so weird <laughs> but it was so great because it's such a specific thing about a person right uh -huh, like, yeah. Weird but great. 
<laughs> um, there. Okay, this is kind of kind of lame. Uh, but there's and remember we're we're in the first first act, so it's all like everybody's happy. It reminded me of a, a silly show that we my my wife started watching and we let Hunter watch uh, on BYU TV called Relative Race. Have you guys ever seen any of that? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dumb show. It's kind of based on the amazing race, but what mm-hmm. they do is they take a person, uh, an individual who is who was adopted and doesn't know their biological family. And there's there's four four individuals that were adopted. And they say, and they like, they race, they compete against the other adoptees, adopt, yeah, adoptees. And, uh, but essentially they, they, they go and they meet their family. And at the end of every episode, they meet a new fan, a new member of their, of their biological family. And it's really, it's, it's got like good, like all feel good and stuff, but it, it totally reminded me of like an episode where like, in, in one of the seasons he's like meets his brother his biological brother who he didn't even know existed and i don't know it just reminded me of that you guys should check out it's kind of a it's kind of a silly it's you know it's amazing race so it's kind of silly or whatever but it's a fun feel-good tv show um i didn't love the over-the-shoulder reenactments i get i kind of get why they did it because you don't want to look at their faces the whole time but uh i didn't love that as much uh i noted where's the third brother <laughs> yep um uh, let's see oh okay uh so now we're we're well in we're at the end this i didn't take many notes because i got i got into the movie um but also i didn't want to i don't know anyways uh <laughs> one of my note is that it makes me want to try harder to be a better dad. Um, like I do, I have this criticism of myself. Like if I were asked, am I a better father or a better husband? I feel like I'm a better husband than a father. I feel like I need to level up on being a better father. And this made me like, oh man, I need to, I, I could do better. I can I can level up there. So that made me think that a lot. Jason, I'm not convinced that you're a bad father as you have your infant son <laughs> sleeping on your chest. The ultimate humble brag. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a bad father. Here's my baby sleeping. <laughs> so cute. Wait, wait till he gets ornery with me. Then then we'll wait till I ruin him. Then we'll talk. Yeah, it's very it's very easy to be good to sleeping babies, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Karen's Karen's comments was that it was a good story. Uh, she liked the rollout, but like the the slow reveal, mm-hmm. um, the flow of it. It was she dramatic. Really, she really enjoyed that, and you know, it caught it caught your attention really quickly. And and then there's just like the slow reveal of oh, then this happened, and then. And then, you know, then we dig deeper and then this happened, you know, it's really good, uh, really good. Okay, so then um, as you guys are talking, there's a few notes that bubbled up. Um, Bobby, I loved Bobby's reactions 
his face like uh when they interviewed him like he was he was the king of like the long pause uh-huh and and of just like the the fake dumbfounded like what you know like i don't know just his face was great yeah uh 2065 is a dick move that that's like that's yeah. like for, like what the heck that's like forever years. yeah mm-hmm. that's like <laughs> that's i mean like i can't even think of why they would pick such a long time frame like yeah all the kids in the studies would be, would be dead, be dead. Uh-huh. every single person to be there i could understand the i could understand the like the uh, the researchers to be dead or something like that but man even the kids that's dumb um did you guys ever watch the seven up movies that kind of reminded me of seven up a little bit seven up what are we talking about um there's a documentary series where the filmmakers have a group of kids um the same age and they interview them every seven years Hmm. and how old are they now they're probably like 70 now right it's at least in their 60s i mean they started it in the 50s and they were seven years old right yeah i haven't watched it but i have them all like queued up ready to watch they're so good you were die like within the last couple years yeah michael apted or something like that yeah Mm -hmm. it's very interesting i think you'd like it jason seven up about 15 years behind (laughs) yeah and each one you add seven to the title so it's seven up and then 14 up and then 21 but it also follows like socioeconomic there's the rich people and there's the poor people and there's the depressed people and there's like just the regular people and they were all they all had similar childhoods in like the same type of neighborhood or whatever but then just how their lives are so different every seven years when they're seven and 14 and 21 and so on interesting do they they're like the paths were similar like like and then they suddenly branch or something or yeah and then they interview the kids when they're seven and what do you want to be when you grow up and then all of a sudden it switches to them when they're like 56 and there's like and this is what i do and then it switches to them as a 21 year old it's like oh i'm never going to work for the man and then it switches them to when they're seven again and it's it's a interesting it, it it goes back and forth and follows one person and what they said seven 14 years before and what they say now that type of thing and they're english too right so they have cute accents that's right the cute (laughs) little english kids that's cute yeah rachel has a guy who turns into a an australian (laughs) that's right he's he's technically british but he moves to australia (laughs) early on and then his accent changes (laughs) rachel's brother lives in england and they have four kids like 14, 12, 10, 7, or something like that. And they have the cutest accents because they lived in Australia for like 10 years. And now they switched up, like they live in uh, Harrogate. And uh, they have the cutest little accents, (laughs) especially the little girl. (laughs) And they go to like a Harry Potter school and it's a boarding school and they've got like their sweaters and their collars. And there's little shorts. It's not quite a boarding school, but they are there pretty much all day until dinner or even after. Anyways, sorry, Jason. No, you're good. Uh, so 
something that you guys talked about reminded me of in in a different podcast that I that I do for Quince Reptiles. Um, I talked for Patreon uh, or is it for the general public? For Patreon. Um, Can I get I, on that for free? Uh, it's fifteen dollars a month. Uh, friends so, and family, friends and family. So fifteen dollars a month to get on for free. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I remember looking like for some reason I was, I don't know, my phone died or I forgot my phone and I was in the bathroom and using the restroom and I was looking, I was bored and you do what you do when you're bored in the bathroom, you read the bottles of, of, uh, like shampoo and stuff. Right. <laughs> and one of the bottles of shampoo had, uh, a little, a little rabbit. Have you guys seen that little symbol, the little rabbit symbol? Um, and it, and what it is, is they're like, we did not test this product on animals or whatever. Right. Um, but it made me realize they didn't test that product on animals, probably because it was already tested on animals. Like they are resting on the research that had already been done. And Playboy shampoo. Wow. All right. No. <laughs> the rabbit on your shampoo. <laughs> no. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, they already, they're resting on the shoulders of the research that has already been done. So A, it tells me that. B, it tells me that they're not pushing the, the, the limits. They're not research. They're not trying to find new things. They're just saying, the research that we have, that's what we got, and we're not going to test it. Or three, they're testing it on humans, and I don't know if that's worse because yeah, you probably have buy-in on humans, but uh, it's probably like the lower socioeconomic status of humans that would sign up to be tested upon, right? Like, how how do I how do we feel about that? That's another aspect of it. Anyways. A lot of testing like that happens in developing countries and poor neighborhoods. So, yes, absolutely. So, are are we? Oh, go back to sleep. <laughs> oh, popped right up. Oh no. Go back to sleep. So, uh, you don't have to. Should we move on and go back to you later? No, no. I'm the last one. I think Karen's coming down right now. Karen, are you here? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Karen's not here. Get out of no, here. <laughs> I thought she was up the stairs. Yeah. Um. So I, I was thinking, like, let's let's assume they publish the studies. Like, do we do we throw out the studies? Do we do we? And then then it made me think, like, of the the Nazi studies or whatever. Uh, and and go back to sleep. Come on. Uh, there's the nazi studies or whatever and they did terrible things to people should we throw out should we throw out the baby water you know yes get it out of here so should we shouldn't use tylenol or or no no more whatever no more drugs no more drugs tylenol come from nazis i don't know i think it's about bayer bayer's a nazi was a nazi thing Um, and i think that's motrin or, or ibuprofen Anyway, oh, yeah. that's a generic. 
I don't yeah, know. Get it, I don't get know what exactly came out of the Nazis. I didn't do that research, <laughs> but I'm sure there's some interesting things that we found out through those terrible tests. Should we? What? What should we be like? Should we throw it like? like no those are terrible we should not learn anything from terrible things well what you shouldn't do is hide it like those guys did but, but maybe that's the right thing to do i don't know right this, maybe no. they're saying if they're maybe asking they're saying, maybe they're saying we did terrible things you already said that it was terrible to hide it until 2065 <laughs> i know it is but and now you now you're justifying that it should be hidden until... <laughs> I, i'm exploring both sides of the of the conflict unlike these guys right sure. um but what I'm saying is like, should we throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Like this was a terrible thing. Should we, should we like elevate this by, by sharing the results or, or should we, should we definitely, I mean, these people went through terrible things. They, yeah. they died for science, but maybe it was, a, maybe it was quack science and it, it was a horrible doctor and he didn't know what he was doing. That's true. Very true. Well, and um, the the other thing that gives me a lot of anxiety is sixty five boxes of data, and the lead scientist is dead. Like I I do science for work, and I'll work on a project that I spend a lot of time on, and it goes dormant, and I come back to it six months later, and it takes me a while to figure out what I was doing, and I'm not to like toot my own horn, but I'm one of the more organized people at my company. Like, I, I don't know what this unethical scientist was doing, but just to, to think about what it would take for somebody to get their arms around all of this data. And it's not like a lot of it is qualitative data, right? It's not like, you know, what I do, this concentration of this metal in this monitoring, well, it's a number, right? This is like, this is what this person's observations was and how do I interpret that and turn it into like a greater theory? Like, it just seems like so much work to turn this into something that's publishable. So not only are you waiting till 2065 before anybody can look at it, but when they do, will it mean anything? And the other thing is I, I've talked about this before and I spend all this time um, digitizing uh, old reel-to-reel tapes and stuff from my family, and I'm just like stressing about out about all this uh, Super 8 film that's in those boxes that's probably just degrading, and like they got to get somebody in there just to like properly archive this. And I, I don't know, maybe that's happened. Jessica maybe has a better idea of how that's handled than I do. But like when those restrictions are on archive documents, it's cold storage, so we're good. I don't have to stay up at night worrying about the Super 8 film. It'll be okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, sorry, that was a complete tangent, but that was another thing that gave me a lot of anxiety that I just had to talk about for a minute. Love it. Um, oh, talking about record keeping, does anybody have like a full Will's freshman picture folder that has all the pictures on there? I think so. Sean has it, right? I thought that was what I had shared to Google Drive or whatever. I think that's still on there, but oh, send me that link again, Sean. Will may be gone, but his pictures live on. That's true. Um, Paul, excellent pick. Also, was that Cafe Rio? Yeah, that's a good question. I, 
I think it might be Costa Vida, but you know how um, they're the same. Uh-huh. Uh, unless you feel strongly about the fact that they're not the same. But I to used me, they to. Are the same. I think 20 oh. years ago, I could tell the difference, but now they're probably exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. So um, I can't remember if I have confessed to the following, but I have something called a fructin intolerance. That's like, essentially like I don't metabolize things and they just like ferment inside of me instead of like turning them into what they're supposed to turn into. So I didn't eat lunch because there was nothing that I could eat. And then I didn't eat dinner because we were at a corn maze and there was nothing. And then my wife brought me either Cafe Rio or um, Costa Vida with stuff that I could actually eat. And it was awesome. And I'm so sorry that I ate in front of you because I, I know that's kind of gross to do or whatever, but I'm not sorry enough to not have done it. So yeah, there you go. Not a big deal. Also, one, one more note. Oh yeah, what's your last name, Jason? And then you can get out of here. Uh, Unless you just want to hang, hang out with us with a kind of sleepy baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a ward member uh, here in my current ward uh, that adopted like a, a ton of kids, and she was telling her story, and the way she made it sound was. <laughs> was like you know we we adopted these three kids and 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 then and and then she's like and then we found out that they have siblings or whatever that was up for adoption like like i feel like it still kind of happens like like you you don't the whole story is still withheld a little bit that's the way she like ouch that's the way she made it sound and I don't know. That's still that's concerning to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Think that's an interesting point and something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I started following somebody like a year ago on Twitter who was an adoptee and he talks a lot about and like promotes people who talk about kind of the the trauma of adoption. So what I've been thinking a lot about is how really an adoption can't happen without there first being like a deep trauma in a child's life and how that affects, even if they're adopted into like a beautiful loving home that helps them turn into a well-adjusted adult, their life still started with something that they'll carry with them for the rest of their lives. And even in places where we're not separating siblings, right? We're not like purposefully inflicting the trauma on the children there's still this severing of a family tie whether it's from siblings or parents and no matter what the reason is so it's happening all the time but yes I think that willful and like low information adoptions are also still happening unfortunately love it also I remembered love it everybody do a big smile into the camera. Three, two, one. <laughs> I say love it. Um, also, um, there's a lot of discussion on the thoughts and the meanings and the themes. And it was a good thought-provoking and discussion-provoking documentary. And that's probably what documentaries do, right? That's like the main point of a documentary because it's like real. It's not just a narrative that someone made up. 
but they're real people at least. And it's their story that they're telling. However, it's edited and chopped into a narrative and broken into talking head interviews with splices of reenactments and historical footage or whatever you want to put into it. But um, I like fictional narratives rather than uh, biographies when I read. And I also like watching just movies rather than watching documentaries. But documentaries are really compelling, but it's not something I choose to watch. So thanks for making me watch it, Paul, because I'm sure it would be interesting. It's just not something that I have a list of things I need to watch, and it's not ever going to be on the top of the list. And that's what I think about a lot of the movies for Movie Club is it's just like, yeah, I mean, it'd be good to put on the list, but is it something that I'm going to sit down and just watch by myself? Um, maybe not. That's we talked about how... If um... it's not Marvel, then no. <laughs> I don't watch all the Marvels. I've been stepping back on Marvels. I did start watching She-Hulk with the kids, though. That's all. We watched one episode. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Like, I cut you off. No. And right. also, I didn't mean to, like make it oh no like i hated the documentary okay oh no it. gosh first of all back. even if you did that's a valid opinion yeah oh my gosh <laughs> like i i'm a literature professor like every class i have we have like it's just a rumble with hey the professor has chosen like these books we have to read and i'm the professor and then often 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 like somebody will just say like i hated it i'm like great tell me why and then they do and that's the whole point right like because if somebody hates it or love it i just want to know why and then if they can talk about that transaction then that's that's what's beautiful because i i'm not even necessarily sure that i love this movie what i love is that it um as somebody who's like who's gone to lots of therapy and is somebody who hasn't studied psychology, but sometimes uses um, certain like psychological framings for my own research. But then also thinking about myself as a researcher and being like, gosh, man, at least all I do is like dissect children's picture books instead of like the human soul, like in real time. Mm -hmm. And then like bury it in this, uh, you know, like at at worst I'm talking about like, sexist versions of anthropomorphism in cinderella instead of like like instead of like here's a real person and let's ruin them anyways so no like feel free to rip it to shreds um but what i love chad is what you were talking about is um like it, it pushes us to to watch this thing that maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't have chosen and i think i've loved that over and over and over with everybody's choices and it seems remarkably similar to anything else in your life where working next to somebody helps you get to know them enough and you say something out loud like I never would have there been their friend except I worked next to them or you know and then there's this lifelong friendship or I, I never would have liked this movie except someone exposed it and I I hate that about myself that I still say I never would have because it's like how many things am I missing out on in this universe that I've just decided like, oh, 
this kind of person, this kind of movie, this kind of music, this kind of mm-hmm. food. And the fact that like, I haven't learned that lesson, even though it seems to be more the norm than the exception to the norm that the exposure to the thing really actually is. Kind of, but also I know if I'm not going to like something. Oh, you do? I, <laughs> oh, I don't. I genuinely don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You know yourself better than I know myself. That's what <laughs> I think is really coming out of this conversation. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, I, no, that's true. Also, you're saying that it's fun to not like some things. And so maybe like we should do Piccadilly Gym again. <laughs> no. Okay. So there are so many bad movies in the world that you could be watching. Why would you go back to one that you already did not enjoy? Oh, because I know myself and I love watching the same thing over and over. <laughs> and I love watching things that I don't like. Rachel? That's Is that true? Why I don't watch very much TV. <laughs> Chad's a TV hog with all of the same. He's so it's so funny because I we do like watch a lot of things together, but he's really into Marvel and not like like he likes fantasy and fiction, and I am so into nonfiction. And I just I love I don't watch a lot of documentaries anymore. It's weird. Like I used to really love them. I love biographies. I love nonfiction history and things like that and we're just very different but also like Paul is saying like it's awesome to be able to get you know those other things that you never would have done and love it all right one book recommendation for Jason or anyone you're all muted I don't know if you're holding the microphone somehow and in my armpit. Do you hear me? Yep, that sounds better. Okay. One <laughs> one book re- another book recommendation that does talk about experiments that were made that were very unethical, should have been illegal. Um it's called Stiff by Mary Roach and it's about how cadavers are used in science and what it means to donate your body to science or to donate your organs and things like that. It doesn't usually go to um, another live person. It usually goes to science and it's very interesting, very, very interesting and funny. So if you guys are interested in reading a book about cadavers. Oh no. I I second the recommendation. It's a really good, (laughs) anything that Mary Roach writes is good. She takes things that sound like they would be really boring and gives the book a one word title and just makes it the most fascinating thing. Yeah. It's, it was, it's amazing. It yeah. was wild. It was a wild ride for sure. Um, was there anything else? Jessica, Carrie? Question, have you ever met a famous person? Like one time me and Rachel were in Park City, not Park City, we're at Sundance and we're walking and Robert Redford came walking by us and we were like right there and he came walking by and it was very striking and it was the closest I've been to like a famous person. Does anybody have a famous person story? This isn't my story, but I have to tell it as a follow-up to yours. We had a guy that was in bishopric of the ward we first moved into those like this goofy guy with big eyes and whatever and they were hiking up in spanish fort canyon and he got ahead of his family 
and hid behind a bush to jump out and scare him. And when he jumped out, it was Robert Redford and Susan Sarandon. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else, Paul, you met anybody famous? Uh, I met Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, nice. um, Because he had gotten caught with marijuana at the airport and he went to the reservation uh, under the guise that he was like, he, he wanted to be an assistant coach on the reservation for a year because he thought like that would be a good place to like write this book that he was working on. But actually he was doing community service and I was a freshman on the basketball team and his hands were this long. Um, and So I got to meet like the all-time scoring legend because he got caught with weed at the airport. (laughs) What a crazy time. Jason or Rachel met the Kratt brothers. Chris and Martin. Yep. I met Chris and Martin. Were they wearing green and blue respectively? They were just so adorable. (laughs) My little brother loved them and we went to the zoo. They were at the zoo. And so my little brother had to like, Oh my gosh. Don't talk to them. My kids would die. They, <laughs> yeah. We yeah. love like I'm Chris and I'm Martin and we're in North America. Oh, this was before like this was, creatures. This was Zabumafu. way back in the beginning. Yeah, that was the yes, Zabumafu. Yeah. Oh. Because oh. we watched like the wild crats and like yeah. I love that every time they get their creature powers, the music that they like play sounds like the kill bill music and i can't like <laughs> not think of like kill bill as they're turning into like eagles or turning into like a walrus it's like, <laughs> it's like anyways i'm so sorry jason you got any hey i have another one okay sorry uh alex trebek at the airport in he got picked up and was totally like bossing around this guy that picked him up and my mom and i saw him and we we're just like well, that's rude. But that was pre-pancreatic cancer, and I think the cancer really softened him up a lot. Yeah, I, turned into I a softy. I miss him. Yeah, we all miss him. Carrie or Jessica? I met. His name is Hugo Reyes, the guy that played Hurley on Lost at Sundance. <laughs> When Lost was on the air. So he was like a big deal. Wait a second. You met Hurley of the Weezer title album, Hurley? Yeah. Was this before or after the Weezer album? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no one would know. What year was that? No one would know. Except for me know. and you. Let me look at my Instagram. It's it not a good my... album. This is the worst. That and Ratitude. And that's my only one. My dad operated on Chuck Yeager once, which is pretty cool, but that's not me. Carrie, it's your turn. Okay. I think I saw Chris Angel at a, an airport and also, is it Kirby Hayborn? Like the guy from all the Mormon movies? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was at BYU passing out flyers for his band once and he was very short and petite seem nice i don't know yeah that's jacob paulson's wife's cousin oh and actually no i met um, remember jacob paulson jason john heater uh came to my um film class at byu too um and it was 
before Napoleon Dynamite, but after, um, is it Peluca? Is that the short film that it's based on? So we watched that and then got to talk to him about it afterwards. So John Heater is in the ward that I grew up in. Or maybe it's the ward right next door. I don't know. But he in was Santa like, Clarita? Yeah. At the same meeting house that my parents were going to for a while, which is kind of bizarre. And Chris Angel is like all decked out, like how he is in his specials or shows or whatever, like hair nice. and makeup and everything. It was, yeah, he looked like a lot. <laughs> John, did you have a story for you? Lovely. I was there when Chris Angel was at the airport. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I grew up in Southern California. So there were a lot of like, there was a celebrity nearby, but I never like met them. Like I saw Howie Mandel and Super Dave. Do you guys remember Super Dave? Um, and they would always film stuff nearby, but I don't know. The, the Green Power Ranger came to my elementary school to try to get kids to sign up to his like karate classes i don't know just if stuff it wasn't, like that but if not it wasn't, real interactions if it wasn't kimberly i'm not i'm not on board she's the only true power ranger mm -hmm. and jason that was a red one right I no i'm not talking to jason i think the red one was named jason <laughs> all right that's it anybody else oh and now it's time to reveal so and a couple, I saw a trailer come up for a movie called White Noise. And it's like this 80s throwback. Maybe there's aliens. I don't know. It seems kind of mysterious. But it's got Adam Driver and um, Greta. That's oh. the new Noah Baumbach movie, isn't it? It's a new yeah. Baumbach. So I'm going to choose Francis Ha for my movie to watch in October. It's a black and white thriller. No, is it's Fran not. <laughs> Francis is Francis Ha rated R? Yeah, it's got language in it. Is that a conversation that we're having? Or are we just choosing it? I'm choosing we it. We had that conversation last time and decided not to go with the rated R movies. Too bad. I'm watching Francis Ha. You're making a choice, Jeff. Yeah, it's going to be good. It doesn't have anything bad in it. It's got some language and that's it that's all where can we watch it i don't know i haven't looked i don't think it's free so i think i'm gonna make you buy it too it might be four dollars on amazon it used to be on hulu right it's been on like everything but i don't think it's on anything right now but it is a halloween movie because it's in black and white so that'll be perfect it's on Canopy, which oh, I have for free through the library. I don't know if everybody has that. Well, I'm going to get it through the library as a DVD, which what we do. Unless you don't want to do that one. Should we not do that one? And should we do The Courier with, with Cumberbatch? I like Francis Ha. Is The Courier the Francis one where he's ha. in like Egypt or something? Um, no. Mm -mm. No. I'm thinking of something else. It's a 2020 Benedict Cumberbatch. I wanted to see that one. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to see Francis Ha 
because it's got the same actors as White Noise. And I think it'd be fun to see them 15 years apart. Mm -hmm. So it's a fun reunion of those two. Because now Adam Driver's crazy famous. Mm -hmm. So we can make it a double feature. We can do, oh, what do you think, Jason? <laughs> I, I barely watched this movie in enough time. Don't expect two movies. Francis Ha is short. An hour, 26 minutes. Yeah, no, Francis Ha is good. It's a great movie. IMDb, Francis Ha. With Greta Gerwig. And it's got it's a Noah Baumbach movie as well, guys. Think about that. It's got mild sexual references, and it's got about twenty uses of the F word. So. Yeah. Unique uses like adjective, adverb, oh, maybe. noun. Probably just casual. Okay. Don't know Bombback at all, evidently. What else does Noah Bombback do? Squid and the Whale. Uh, the Marriage Story one. He's, he's pretty awesome. The Meyerwitz stories. Oh, Greta Gerwig wrote Francis Ha with Noah Baumbach. Squid in the Whale. Is Squid in the Whale good? The first movie I ever saw of his. It's uh, Jesse, what's his name? The guy. Uh, the guy from the social network. Eisenberg. Eisenberg? Yeah, it's like him when he's a teenager. And oh, I can't think of guy's names. The guy from Dumb and Dumber who's not the funny one. Um, gosh. Yeah. So not Jim Carrey? Um, Jeff Jim Daniels. Carrey. I keep Jeff. giving all the answers on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff Daniels is great. All right, well, that's it. Anybody else have anything to say? Thanks, Paul. Good choice. So I'll come up with a text. Um, do, do we decide what day we're going to do it now? Oh, or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's look. I'm going to be out of town until the 19th. Oh, all right. How about 25? Tuesday, the 25th. Put it on the calendars. And if it doesn't work, then we'll push it forward. But if we push it forward, we'll go into November. So think about that. Consequences. All right. Well, love you, Jason. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Oh. No, love you back. Oh, yeah, what? Wow. Wait, there's, there's, no. oh, hold on. I know. That's what I was looking for. All right. Well, oh, that's it. Oh, yeah. Send me the recording. And oh, what do I say? You say a thing? Yeah, I say the, the first thing you say is what do I say? Adjourn.
Oh yeah, I moved to adjourn this session of the movie club. Do I have any seconds or no the seconded. say I? All in favor, say I. Nay. The eyes have Nay. it. It's the <laughs> eyes have it is what I say. Keep it going. <laughs> More of this. This is what movie the people want. Movie club. Movie <laughs> club. This, this is what oh, all also, six viewers want. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, we miss you and we love you. Well, come on back and Will. Anthony we need Will. we need Will to come back and choose like a willow. Choose a willow or big or some classic 80s, the burbs. Willow miniseries coming out. We right? should do a special episode on the bullet ant challenge on Clint's reptiles, and Will yeah. can come and be the special guest. You didn't want to go to the Amazon, Jason? Uh right at right around when they left was when uh Karen was do so that was a no-go how many Next banked one. episodes do you have uh like I'm... you just released will's fire ant or whatever bullet ant and you filmed that months ago yep uh so videos that are filmed i can tell you right now um inside the actor studio right now so we have i mean this saturday's is coming up right that's already um if you were paying me $15 a month, you'd have access to that one right now. Oh, you um, get an early release? Yeah. Uh, so we have Should we one. do a Patreon for Movie Club? <laughs> there you go. It's gonna, one of those six people are going to pay us? I'm going to give the six people a join. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three, seven. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. We have 19 videos filmed. So if, if Clint died, wow. we the, the world wouldn't even know for at least 19 more videos. I, I would know in my heart the very instant. <laughs> and that would be a question of ethics too, Jason, which <laughs> seemingly you're a little wishy-washy on. I'm just going to yeah, say yeah. <laughs> Like your own comments have canceled each other out. So I just want you to know that. I'm just trying to explore both sides. Yeah, yeah. What's this episode this week's? Uh, the sun spider, camel spider. All right, we got the scoop, guys. That sounds yeah. like a horrible pet. Uh, depends. Uh, people like arachnids, so. I just realized something that I need to share with everybody before we end. Please. That's what... That's what my son asked for for uh, Christmas. What he wants a pet tarantula. That's what he wants, and he you wants should, to. to we, have, we have a video on a, tarantulas? a handful of tarantulas, and the whole point of the video is to find out if they should be good Pets. for you as a pet. Okay, so we will start watching your videos because um, all the other. Uh, pets so there's a very high mortality rate at the rick's household two beta fish mustard and mustard jr have already passed <laughs> and so this christmas um if my son is good the santa that he doesn't believe in he's only six and he hasn't believed and it's been years because his older brother let the cat out of the bag if he's good <laughs> then he will get a tarantula that he wants to name webby elvis ricks so I will come back and report sooner than later on that.
We have three videos on tarantulas, so you should watch yes. one of those. I will. I promise. I want to know if Jason's going to be featured in any of these videos. Uh, I'm I'm in a handful. And I know the one that you were interviewed with. Yeah, I didn't like that. What uh, about like holding pets or holding snakes or holding reptiles? Uh, I, no, not really. Uh, I'm in the bloopers a lot. Um, and then once I finally get the... Uh, Is there a Jason supercut out there? No. You should make Can one. Can make us one? Make no. one. No. Uh, once I get the aquarium set up, I'm sure he's going to figure out some way to get me in front of the camera. You should do a Clint's Reptiles Blackberry and Raspberry Bush tour. I'd yeah, be interested. Right up the right up the reptile alley. Hey, it's I mean, you're everyone. headed that way. You're running out of reptiles, so you're starting <laughs> to do spiders, and the next thing it's going to be your kiwi vine. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous that we how many different animals we're doing like arthropods. I mean, we did an octopus. We did a shark for crying out loud. Um, yeah, you do like dogs. We've done dogs. We've done cats. We've done head to head a reptile versus a dog. What about like a mongoose or uh, the reptile one? Obviously, a flying hamp or a flying gerbil. What are they called? Uh, we've sugar done glider. Sugar glider. We have. We've done some mammals. We haven't done a sugar glider yet. I mean, the 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 world is our oyster. We're, we're going to do them all. I'm proud of you, Jason. Yeah. Good story. That's all. <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> just the pause after you told him you were proud of him. <laughs> he waited for that to sink in. Okay. We're all proud of you, Jason. You're doing yeah. great. We did. We did whales. A, a video about whales. You should do a bow whale because those things live for hundreds of years. Uh, we we talked about the but well. So it's, it's we're doing we're branching out we're doing something interesting uh where we talk about like the phylogeny so we talk about all the families mm. he did talk about the bow whale and he talked about how uh the bow whale looks as though it is deeply disappointed in you when it looks at you you're so sad all the time yeah, yeah. so do you travel a bunch like for work-related travel uh, in for, different places for real work or fake work yeah for youtube Oh, for fake work. Uh, fake work, yeah. Um, yeah not, your, not your day job, your, your, your evening job um, and weekend job. I mean, they flew out to the per, to Peru. Yeah, uh, but did, you didn't go. Though. I didn't go. Do you go with them? Uh, uh, I probably would have um, had, had the baby not come. Um, or not. He's worth it. Time. He's worth it, Jason. But Always we, remember we, that. We've gone to like expos. We've gone to other youtubers for like collabs and stuff so yeah did you go to tonicon what's that did you go to tonicon <clears throat> i don't even know what tonicon is okay it's better that way never mind there was a las vegas reptile expo did you know about that one uh no okay what the heck is tonicon what's your most famous youtuber collaboration? Tana was a big youtuber who had like her own con and it was just like fire festival level of disaster. Oh really? I've watched a YouTube video about that. It was fun. <laughs> it's <laughs> delightful. Yeah. I love thinking about Donicon. Do you ever like get any other famous YouTubers to do collabs? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, famous in the reptile world, I guess. Uh, the the biggest there's two big names in 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 like the pet tube reptile world, uh-huh. and that's uh, Brian Barcheck. Um, How many subscribers is he at? He's at like two point six or something like that. I don't know. It's he's in the, he's in the big deal. What are you at four sixty? Yeah. Uh, but we haven't done a, a a collab with him. Um, and uh, and and yeah. Anyways, there's some backstory behind that. Uh, and then <gasps> is there a rivalry? No. Is I he a mean, jerk? No. Kind there's, of. There's just a backstory. Uh, and then there's uh, Snake he's afraid story. to tell it because too many people watch this podcast. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. This one. That's right. I gotta stop recording and we want the scoop. Uh, no, he, oh, sorry, Brian. You want to dish some dirt? Brian's got three point seven, uh, and then and then Snake Discovery is the other one, and we've done a handful of um, videos with her. Yeah, because she's cool, not like this other guy. <laughs> There's, I wanted to say, not like this jag wagon or. <laughs> that's that's the insult that you came up with (laughs) no they're both they both seem like good i like he seems like a good guy anyway she's got 2.8 million so there's there's room for growth in this space that's what's exciting about so do you have any like youtube medals where you get like first million or hundred thousand followers uh so for i think it was ten thousand subscribers a hundred thousand subscribers you get a uh, plaque and then and then it's a million and then it's 10 million oh so you so, got another half a million i'm to halfway go. almost halfway mm-hmm. we'll get there. yeah you got 18 more videos to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no clint's gonna live forever he better or at least until we can make his kid stand in for him <laughs> Or he's going to carry on the family <laughs> reptile tradition. Yeah. Why not? I don't know. Also, uh, another plug for Weezer Seasons Autumn. Jason, did you, or Sean, did you listen? I've listened twice. Mm-hmm. And it's like every other Weezer experience I have where it's uh-huh. like, I don't think I like this. But I'm waiting I bet, for Andrew. I bet to Andrew's be... going to convince me that it's yeah. actually good. Andrew's going to convince me, but there are some choices that he is there, not going to convince me. I've only listened to it twice and I find myself singing the songs when I'm making my sandwich for lunch or whatever. So there's something there. Super catchy, except for the part where it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot the words. It's Dr. Dr. Tell me the news. I got a bad case of not loving me. I think that's right. What? And it's really bad. It's, it's, it's Andrew's not going to convince me that that part of the song is good. We've talked about worse Weezer lyrics than that. But yeah, that's up there. Um, all right. See you guys. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>